welcome to the Marathon Medic Podcast. I'm your host, Amy Bolsh, a doctor and running coach with an interest in sports and exercise medicine. These podcast episodes are all about physical activity, exercise and health, and today I'm joined by Beth Pascal. Beth is a paediatric doctor and professional ultra runner with achievements that include winning the Western States 100 miler in 2021 and setting a new female record for the Bob Graham round in 2020. On this episode, we're discussing how Beth balances her two highly demanding careers and how she's dealt with running injuries and setbacks over the last year. Thanks so much for joining me today, Beth. Um, I think most people that are into running or at least trail running or ultra running will know exactly who you are. But just in case anyone doesn't, would you mind just introducing yourself, please? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks, Amy, for inviting me to be on your podcast. Uh, I'm Beth Pascal. I'm a uh, paediatric registrar and professional trail ultra runner. Um, currently based in uh, Cumbria, although I was living in Derbyshire until a few days ago. Um, yeah, so I, m- my time is balanced between uh, working and paediatrics and running, training and racing uh, wherever, <laughs> wherever the races take me really. So I've been fortunate enough to race all over the world in recent years. Um, yeah, so that's, that's me in a nutshell. And where you live in the UK, is that sometimes based upon where the best running is? Because obviously there's certain areas of the UK where, that certainly aren't designed for training uh, for kind of high altitude trail races. Do you kind of pick where you live based on that? Well, I suppose this move from Derbyshire further north has something to do with being in the mountains, being closer to the mountains. But I wouldn't really say it's it's going to allow me to train better. I will. Ju- I would just say that it's where we are happiest. Um, it's where we want to be, uh, partly, yeah, because of the hills, uh, but partly we have a lot of friends up here and things. Um, and it will just mean that we spend a lot less time driving because where, where I was living in Derbyshire, I did spend a lot of time driving to the Lake District or just to Snowdonia or Scotland or or because it is necessary at least sometimes to have uh, some good climbs in training. So yes, it will make a difference being being up here in in Cumbria, but uh, that's not the primary reason to move. And when did you um, start running at least competitively? Because I think actually it's probably later than than most people expected. Is it when you were a junior doctor that you first got interested in competitive trail running? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say when I started racing, that was in a competitive way. Um, It was more uh, to challenge myself. So yeah, I was probably uh, maybe 24, 25, something like that. And I'm 34 now. Yeah, so I, I, I started doing some training and, uh, yeah, entered some races purely to see, you know, what I could achieve for myself. And it certainly wasn't about winning or being competitive back when I started it. It took a few years to get to the point where I was, you know, training with structure and uh, and actually trying to, to, to be competitive sort of in, in an international field. And you, you mentioned that you're a paediatric doctor. What is it about paediatrics that um, that made you choose that direction for medicine? It certainly wasn't an obvious choice for me. And I think uh, after the foundation years, I did apply to a few specialties. I was quite undecided. Um, and I had a paediatric interview first and uh, got got offered a training number. And, uh, and that's probably why I end up doing 
doing this. Although I did, uh, I did when I was at medical school, I went over to Zambia and worked in a hospital there for a few months. Um, and I ended up in Peds because that's where they needed me. And I did fall in love with it there. And it, it just seemed, um, yeah, really important. I mean, obviously I'm biased and I'm sure all, all specialties, um, all specialty doctors feel biased towards their own specialty. But um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's really, really diverse. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm really happy that that's the pathway I'm on. There's definitely no no easy training pathway in medicine and no easy specialty, but peds is particularly demanding, especially in terms of exams and, and rotus, just having friends doing that specialty as well. How do you balance that? Because it's not just the time on the wards or in the hospital, it's also all the extra bits that you have to do behind the scenes um, in order to kind of be competitive within your field. How do you balance managing all of that with having another kind of highly demanding career in terms of the running? Um, I guess... I am just fortunate in that, well, for example, the um, my deanery have been really, really supportive of my running um, and I've had a couple of periods out of programme over the last couple of years um, in order to focus on running, which has allowed me to go abroad for long periods and race and things. Um, but on a day-to-day, -day, I guess I'm just really disciplined, really organised um, and yeah, just have to plan everything really well in terms of um, my my running training is completely structured around uh, my shift patterns and things. Um, so you know, I work really closely with a coach who uh, and, and we yeah we plan the running around the shifts um, in a way to to train usually training hard when I've got sort of easier days or rest days from work um, and keeping all the training really easy like when I'm on night shifts and things and try and prioritize recovery and, and it's taken a long time to figure out how how much I can push myself with that type of thing with uh, sleep and recovery and training yeah so it's not it's not always easy and I don't always get it right but I've somehow managed to make it work just about do you ever have days off where you're not running or working or do you kind of structure it so that your rest days from running, I'd say the, the days where you might have a normal day at work? Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't be not working or not running on the same day. <laughs> I, I do occasionally have rest days from running, but I try to save them for maybe like the, the third day of four night shifts or something like that where I could really do with a bit more sleep or or I won't get much benefit from training because I'll be so uh, fatigued from work or something like that but but yeah I certainly I would if I had a day off work I try and really optimize that with training yeah so it sounds like you're pretty much always always doing something yes yes I'm much happier doing, <laughs> doing things than resting Good. And obviously there, there must be some sacrifices that you make in order to, to do both things. Um, what are the main sacrifices for you? And does that ever create any resentment? Because I'm sure you're competing against other runners that don't have the commitments that you do in terms of your work and your career from the paediatric side of things. I honestly don't think there are any sacrifices. I, I used to think there were. Um, I used to think, you know, sometimes oh, it'd be nice to have a bit more sleep or it'd be nice to be able to stay out a bit later socialising or things like that. 
Um, but but as I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute, I've struggled with injury over the last year, and that's really made me realise that you know being able to train and being able to work is a huge privilege, and it's it, there are no benefits to to me anyway to to not be able to do either. So no, I don't think about there being any sacrifices. I think the whole the whole thing is a privilege, to be honest. I guess the opposite question then, do you think they complement each other in any way? Does your running add to your peds work or do you find that the things that you learn from your NHS work actually complements your running? I think, yes, they do complement each other. I think I, I do struggle sometimes with with being an athlete. It can seem like quite a selfish thing to do. Um, like when I have periods when I'm, when I'm not working, when I'm out of programme, and just running like I yeah I do struggle with um you have to always put yourself first which I think is really hard um you know uh but it's necessary to 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 be a good athlete but in contrast when you're at work you're just not thinking about yourself at all right you you yeah you're 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 always thinking about what you're doing and your patients and your colleagues and 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 yeah it doesn't really ever cross your mind when you're at work like oh maybe i should uh i i don't know be doing some stretching in my lunch break or i i don't know i i just don't you don't think about yourself when you're at work um so yeah i think they do complement each other in in that way from a like a personal point of view and how how i like can justify spending a lot of time training um which you know some sometimes can feel uh yeah like a, a like a a selfish thing to do so it maybe provides you some sanity for for when you are training yeah yeah for sure for sure and you, you touched on how helpful that's been. Um, you mentioned the injuries that you've you've had and we'll move on to that. So do you mind just sharing with me what you've been through over the last, is, is it a year or two now of, of having quite significant injuries? Uh, n- only since September last year, so probably like nine or 10 months. Um, I mean, I've had small injuries before, but in comparison, they've, they've been insignificant. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what happened last September? Yeah, so I developed a problem called osteitis pubis, which is uh, basically a, a bone stress injury, so inflammation in the bone at the front of the pelvis. Um, and it's very, very difficult to get rid of. And it's very, the cause is very, very complicated. Um, uh, and there's, yeah, lots and lots of things that play into it. Um, things like stress you know, strength, weakness, tightness, pelvic misalignment, um, you know, breathing issues, uh, visceral problems, um, you know, and it's, it's been a really a lot of work to try and, um, to try and recover a lot, a lot of hours of rehab, um, working on lots of things, retraining movement patterns. And uh, yes, it's been really hard and it took me about six months before I could start to run again and for a lot of those six months I was really unable to do anything without pain I couldn't walk I couldn't cycle I couldn't even swim with a pool boy for a lot of that time so I found it really really hard but yeah I 
started running again and things were going fairly well and, and I've just um just recently uh had another setback I've have a, a prolet- prolapsed L5 S1 disc that's just happened in the last couple of weeks so so yeah <laughs> having to to factor that into training as well and and things now but you know I, I still feel fortunate right now that I can move a bit do some cycling do some walking and spend some time in the hills when you first had the injury back in September for the osteitis pubis, did anyone give you any indication about how long that might take? Did you foresee that it might be six months before you were running again? Uh, initially, I didn't think that. No, I thought it'd be quite quick because it, it was very mild at the beginning. Um, but it, yeah, it, it took me, well, I still don't quite <laughs> understand it. But uh, as soon as I started uh, resting more and changing changing my training it just got worse and worse and worse which I found difficult to deal with so when you know usually you have an injury and you rest and it gets better but if you have an injury and you rest and you work really really hard on the rehab it got worse and yeah that that was really really difficult so there was a time for you know a good few months I didn't think I'd ever be able to run again I couldn't imagine being you know without without pain so so yeah, it was actually when I was able to start running again in around March. Um, yeah, I felt really, really fortunate because I just didn't think I'd be running this year. How did you manage that period mentally? Because I feel like even the everyday runner who, you know, it's not it's not part of their career. It's not a huge part of their life. They, you know, we all struggle when we've got injuries that stop us running. And then to not be able to do that for you, but also, as you said, not be able to cycle and swim as well. How did you How did you deal with that? I didn't always deal with it very well, if I'm honest. I, I've i always thought that I that running wasn't the most important thing in my life. Like, obviously, it's a big part of my life, but I have other things. I have, obviously, a job, family, um, you know, lot, lots of other things that, that I thought would distract me and, and things. But no, I, I really struggled, um, really, really struggled. And I think, in a way because I, f- I felt guilty for for having a tough time and I'd beat myself up about like, why why is this, this is so stupid? Like this, you know, running isn't that important. I'm so lucky, I've got a job, I've got, you know, really supportive family. Um, and yeah, I almost made myself feel worse by beating myself about feeling bad about the injury. But it, it got easier, I suppose. Um, you know, it, it's like, you know, going through the grieving process, um, as all medics get taught, even though I obviously, you know, a lot of people are going through much worse, but, um, yeah, you go through the phase of denial and then, um, anger and, and anyway, you, you eventually end up, um, accepting what's going on. And with this, this other setback I've had recently, it's, yeah, it's, it's much easier. It's much easier. Yeah. When I was having a really tough time, I would, I would force myself to do things that I did not feel like doing. Um, so you, yeah, like every, everything, any type of exercise was painful. Um, but I would, you know, force myself to go and do some things that I really didn't enjoy, like swimming with a pool boy <laughs> when, um, when my injury started to improve and, and just, I, I don't know, like other small things and always reminded myself that, mood follows action so 
you know, you do the things you don't feel like doing and then eventually it might be not be that day or the next day or the next week, but you will start to feel better. I imagine you're you're quite fortunate that you've got lots of people around you supporting you through periods when you have injury, like coaches and I imagine sports doctors and physios. Was there anything from those experiences that were particularly helpful or, or unhelpful for you? So I know for me, when I've had injuries in the past, kind of having a strict timeline, I find quite helpful, which obviously sometimes there isn't a timeline. Um, whereas other people might just get relief from knowing that there's certain exercises that they can do, or there's a certain rehab plan. Was there anything that was particularly useful or, or, or the opposite for you during that process? Yeah, I found having a timeline difficult, actually, because I okay. constantly, well, I think it's great if things are going to plan, but I found because, you know, I was initially told you don't have to stop running at all, like give it four weeks of doing this rehab and it'll start to get better. And then it was worse. And that was like one yeah, that made me feel really, really bad. And then, uh, and then the next, uh, started seeing a different physio and okay, have three months off running. That's how long it'll take. You'll be running again in January. You'll be doing normal volumes of training by April. And again, that did not happen. And that was another huge kind of disappointment. So, so yeah, I found it not helpful for, for me personally to have a, to have a timeline. I, yes, I do have a, a lot of support, I suppose, compared to like a lot of, a lot of um, everyday runners, but I still found myself actually feeling quite alone with it a lot of the time. Um, yeah, I, I probably should have asked for more help if I'm honest. Yeah, I still felt, yeah, I felt like even though I had good support from physios, it was still, I don't know, you, you, it's, it's consumes your, it's, it's all consuming, I guess. It's, you're thinking about it all the time. I found it really hard to get the, so when you're injured, you, it's useful to have like distraction. Uh, right. So part of you wants to distract yourself from the injury completely and not think about running. But it's really hard to do that when um, when you know to get better, you have to be so invested in the rehab. Um, so I had this, yeah, this constant dilemma about distraction versus work really, really hard to try and get better. And the, the two didn't really seem to complement each other at all. Um, so I probably... If I had to go through that again, I would, I would lean more towards the the distraction and yeah, give myself a bit of a a bit of a physical and mental break, um, and be slightly less invested in in all the rehab. Obviously, not ignoring all the rehab, but be slightly less invested in that. Did you get any psychological support during that time or was that offered to you? Do you think it's something you benefited from? Because I know we often think physical injury needs physical support, but as an athlete, obviously the psychological component of racing is huge. And then the psychological component from injury is going to be huge, both in terms of how you're coping, but also that will impact your recovery as well. Yeah, no, I, I didn't have any, <laughs> I guess my attitude and wrongly was that I don't need to spend time doing that because I know that if I get better, I'll feel better. <laughs> so yeah, all my time was invested in trying to get physically better rather than looking after myself whilst I was injured. So so yeah, it, it may well have helped and probably I should have got more support that way. And probably if I had to go through it again, I, I would for sure. That's something I would change. 
Do you think being a doctor plays into it at all? It's kind of knowing, as I know you're not a sports doctor and PEDS is, is quite different from uh, MSK injuries, but did that play into it at all? Were you overanalyzing feelings that you had and niggles or were you overthinking about what was going on in terms of your bone health, for example? Uh, probably, yes. <laughs> I, I definitely did a lot of, I mean, I'm sure everyone does this, but a lot of research online. So, I mean, I had read every, everything that's ever written about this particular injury. I'd analysed <laughs> all the papers, I'd read everything, right? And that was probably a bad idea. And, and having a bit more insight, yeah, probably was a bad thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a blessing and a curse, isn't it? Yeah. You probably can interpret the information with a bit more reason, but probably know too much at the same time. Yeah, yeah sure. Um, and then you said you've had a, another injury more recently. Having kind of been through a really difficult year with two setbacks, how has that made you think about the future in terms of running? Are, are you are you worried about getting back to those really high um, endurance events, which you know do put more strain on your body? Are you feeling optimistic in terms of all the strength work you've done? How has it affected how you feel about running in general? Yeah, for sure. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't moderately concerned about um, getting back to running long distances. Um, I, I will have to change the way I train. I know that much. Um, yeah, my training approach will have to be much lower volume and I, I'm certainly going to take things a lot slower um, this time round. It's, uh, I, I mean, my, my build back up to running after the first injury was fairly slow, but there's you always feel the pressure to get back to, to health and fitness enabled to, to be able to race in the summer um, so I, I did kind of feel that pressure I suppose so I will have to be a lot more careful and um, yeah future training will look quite different I think but saying that I I do feel that because I've worked on so much in in rehab um, like all the strength work, all the retraining of running technique, all the little things I've done, uh, I think we're probably there in the background for like all those weaknesses, um, all those, you know, bad, bad habits were there in the background probably for years. And so because of all the things I've addressed, I do think it's possible to go back to, to training and racing at a higher level. And a lot of people do after, um, you know, ma major injuries. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I worry about it, but actually in the grand scheme of things, I'm fairly optimistic, but I don't know how long it will take and I will not put any, any time frame on it. I'll just have to listen to my body and, and, and yeah, when I'm, when I'm ready, I'm ready and, uh, and not, yeah, not, uh, put, put deadlines on. I will I will be fit to race this race or yeah, it'll take as long as it takes, but I'm, yeah, I'm reasonably optimistic about the future. That sounds sensible. Um, and I guess just kind of moving on to, to more positive topics, we've spoken about your, your injuries, um, in the last year, but obviously before that you were doing some amazing, amazing races. And I was just wondering what your kind of most memorable or meaningful race has been to you. Cause I'm sure you get asked a lot about the events where you've either won or set records, but what are the most memorable races for you yeah it's difficult to separate the the ones that I, I, yeah the ones that you do well at 
tend to be the most memorable, I suppose. So for me, I'd have to say Western States is my is my favorite race. But I I would have said that even before I I'd won it. Um, I came fourth there in two thousand and nineteen, and then went back and won in twenty twenty one. But but yeah, after my first time there, I would say that it's it's a really really special race, um, and. So this is a 100-mile race in California. It's the it's the oldest 100-mile race. Is, is it in the world? I'm not sure. It's, it's a very old race. There's a lot of history around it, and it's uh, very competitive, but uh, quite a small field um, and very very difficult to get into. So everyone there is... is uh, the race means a, a lot to everybody there, basically, and it's just really, really special in lots of ways. When you were running in 2021 versus 2019, did it feel different from the very beginning or was it kind of only towards the end that you realised that, you know, you'd, you'd actually made a significant difference in, in terms of your, where you were placed? Um, I guess it was very different. Going into the race, I knew I was uh, fitter. I was one of the favourites, um, whereas in 2019, I was I was not at all. I was like a nobody. Um, so yeah, I went into it with a lot more confidence, partly because I was fitter and partly because I, I knew what I was letting myself in for. I knew the course well. I was really well prepared. I'd uh, been at altitude, um, for a long time. I'd been training in the heat. Um, so I did feel really, really prepared and I was, yeah, running to win it rather than just running to to finish or make the top 10 like in 2019 so so yeah and and I and I felt yeah I was I was racing to win it for the whole of the race in 2021 so yeah it felt very different and during a 100 mile race at what point do you start thinking actually you know I've, I've got this in the bag because I feel like in a marathon maybe when you get past the 20 mile mark you you know roughly how you're feeling but a hundred miles is is so far. You could be kind of ninety five miles in, and you know that extra five miles is a, is a long way after ninety five miles in your legs. So, is is there a point that you feel like this is the home stretch? I think I know very early on whether I'm having a good day or not. Yeah, I mean you can't okay. you can't rule out things turning around. But yeah, I would say all the all the hundred mile races I've done, I've I've known in the first ten miles whether it's going to be a good day or not. And that's not oh, that's, that's not to say that I know like 10 miles in if I'm going to win it or not, but I know if I've got, got the legs that day, yeah. basically. And, and, and no, I, I think it depends on when you know if you're going to win it or something is all about uh, what information you get at what point on the course because you often have no idea what's going on behind you. Yeah. Um, so it's variable. So if you're lucky enough to get some some information, then you can you can start to to um, worry a bit less near near the end. Uh, so for example, in 2021, I think it was mile 94. Um, I got some intel that the person behind me um, was something like 15 minutes back at the previous checkpoint. So I thought, okay, yeah, I, I can do this. <laughs> Let's hold it together for another six miles and everything will be okay. And I'm assuming even on those massive races where you're feeling good, there's obviously going to be some very, very low points. Um, how do you bring yourself back up out of those? Is, is things like that information a boost for you to, to push through? Is there other tactics you use to try and mentally make sure you're still in the game even when things are feeling really bad? Yeah, so I guess low points are 
more often for me anyway more often physical than mental so so obviously f- physical low points you have to do all the things to to troubleshoot that so think about nutrition hydration cooling off warming up all those things and and yeah from a mental point of view um i yeah when it's getting really hard i i think about all the people that have helped get me get me there um so running is really not an individual sport um like i feel there are so many people in, invested in my 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 racing so you know people who've who've put in a lot of time and energy like my husband my coach um family so i think when things are getting really hard i think about them and everything that it means to them and how much they've invested in it um, and that tends to keep me going and is 100 miles your distance of, of choice if you had to pick one kind of distance to race for the rest of your your life is it 100 miles or is that just happens to be the one that you're you're really good at which which is your favorite distance uh, it would be between 100k and 100 miles but not certainly nothing less than 100k <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> I'm not sure many people would say that <laughs> And if anyone wants to kind of follow your your ongoing running journey and, and see what races you make a comeback at next, uh, where should they find you in terms of social media? Uh, I think I'm the only Beth Pascal on Instagram. So that's, I'm, I'm easy okay. to find there. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Great. Thank you so much. And I'm wishing you a speedy recovery from your um, disc prolapse as well. Thank you very much, Amy. A huge thanks to Beth for joining me on this episode. As she said, you can find her on Instagram by searching Beth underscore Pascal. If you enjoyed this podcast episode, then please do share it and give it a rating and do get in touch if there's topics or guests that you'd like to see on a future episode. If you'd like to hear more from me, then you can head to marathonmedic.com where you'll find more podcast episodes, blog posts and coaching information. You can also find me on Instagram by searching Marathon Medic. Thanks so much for listening.